I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Desert Dogcast, Fiverr Howling's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. This is our third episode, talking about the first couple of weeks of the NHL season, more specifically, once again, for the Arizona Coyotes. Alongside Rose Ford and Carl Pavlik, I am Rob Leano, here to get you guys going on all your latest Coyotes news. Let's start with what we saw first in these first five games. It was, guys. What do you what, what do you think? You know, it was it, it was a kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, slope to say. What do you guys think about this, these first five games? Well, we're two, two, and one, and that's the best start we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. feeling positive about it. It's definitely been a, a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, started out <laughs> kind of slow, starting to pick up speed now. And the teams that we have beat, you know, are are pretty serious teams. You know, Vegas and Winnipeg. Well, Winnipeg is having their issues right now, but a they lot of still issues. have a potent offense. So, yeah. But the first game against Anaheim, um, Anaheim ended up being better than I thought they were going to be. Right. I mean, I always knew John Gibson was good, but wasn't expecting them to be able to score either. Maybe it's the uh, Dallas Eakins effect. (laughs) Yeah, the Dallas Eakins effect plus the young kids they brought up from the San Diego Gulls. I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess like a package deal. You bring up Dallas Eakins, you got to bring up his team with them. (laughs) I mean, if you look at it, they've only scored two more goals than we have. And they've allowed one more, and yet they are four and two, and we are two, two, and one. So it's definitely not far off between the two. I I think that Gibson is going to drag that team kicking and screaming away from a lottery pick. Well, that depends on whether or not they're going to actually, you know, play him to death. (laughs) They may have to they may just start double shifting him between the their ahl team and the nhl team and be like get tired gibson we need to get this lottery pick yeah and the the losses were disappointing against boston and the uh the ot loss against colorado was really disappointing because of the the comeback that they were starting i mean if there's one thing that i think the first five games shows is that the Coyotes still do not have consistent offense. They were limited to just one goal in their first two. They explode against Vegas. Uh, most of that Colorado game, I think like the first, definitely the first two periods, but it went pretty deep. Like they didn't score until I, I want to say 15 minutes in or 
get the exact number, but you know, that's not exactly a, a recipe for a lot of success. I wouldn't like to see that replicated. I'd like to see them find more consistent offense throughout the night, but, I mean, it's hard to complain. And, yeah, first goal scored against Colorado was 9 minutes and 27 seconds into the third period. So... The Colorado game was exciting once the third period got going, um, which is nice because I was only make it, make, to make it home in time for the third period. No, wait, that was Winnipeg. Sorry. <laughs> Getting my games all confused. Um, it was nice to see in all the games where we scored goals, it was nice to see uh, distributed scoring. So um, – First, we saw Stefan in the Anaheim game, and then we saw in the Vegas game, Garland got two, Schmaltz got one, and Yarmelson got one. Yay, Yarmelson, he got a goal. Then, <laughs> Finally. Yeah. I know. It was like something like 90-something games between goals for him. Poor guy. And then we had the Colorado game where Grabner and Schmaltz both scored. And then in the Winnipeg, where we won 4-2, Garland got one, Dvorak got two, and Schmaltz got another one. So that's three goals in three games for Schmaltz. So I think he's doing well coming back from injury. Definitely got to love Schmaltz's performance. He's doing pretty well for himself. Now. Yeah. yeah. He started off yeah. a little slow and a little shaky, but he's definitely improved. And you know that tends to happen on a, on a player that's recovering. They start off a little sh- slow and shaky, and then when they get there, they – yeah. They're good. Yeah, I know. I mean, when half half the team hasn't has played less than forty something games the previous season, it's gonna take a while to get the group back. And Schmaltz, like, I remember last season, I almost attributed his success to playing with Clayton Keller, and he's been playing extremely well away from Keller as well, which is great. It. Me, really makes me think that the team made the right choice in signing him to that deal. Yeah, and uh, the last game against Winnipeg, it was the Garland, Dvorak, and Schmaltz line were all together, and they were the only ones that scored. <laughs> Luckily, so, they scored all of the goals. All of the goals, so that was a pretty decent... I mean, one of them was a power play goal, so they weren't... I don't think they were all together for that but sure <laughs> that's another it, thing. the power play is starting to click now too yeah it only took five games for the coyotes to score their first power play goal and they got two of them against winnipeg which is great because they could have used one against anaheim or boston or colorado but, you know, those are some of the kinks that you, t- you that you try to work out over the, you know, those first several games. And that's what helps about an 82-game season. The first, you know, I guess maybe 10 games are kind of, you know, work out the kinks. The next, that's like you work out in groups of 10. And then, like, I get, you, think, you see how things go from there. Yeah, that's actually something that Takat always says, is that he looks at the games in groups of 10. Groups of 10 is the big thing. So, and, um... I actually recently saw something from uh, Michael Blake McCurdy from HockeyViz.com where apparently there are some things that do stabilize over 10 games. So looking at 10-game chunks makes a lot of sense. Hmm, That's interesting. I mean, hopefully things are starting to stabilize uh, because after the starts from the previous two seasons, I would... 
the fact that two two and one is our best start in a long time that may be a little bit concerning it is but you know there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of things you look for from some of the players that look promising again you're hoping most of these guys stay healthy of course of course you know um they did already lose one guy for quite a long time oh uh, yes but uh, is bad. yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that was uh Jarmelson doing what he does best and unfortunately getting hurt in the process. Yes. For Jarmelson, in the Colorado game, he blocked a shot from Eric Johnson. This is according to Craig Morgan. I didn't go back and look to see who it was. Um, and it broke his fibula. That's, that's, that's brutal. And that's the, the thin bone on the outside of the bottom part of your leg. Yep which apparently also stabilizes your ankle. So, yeah. I, I actually, as a kid, I think I broke either the fibula or the other one, the tibula. Tibia. tibia. Yeah, tibia. I cannot remember which one I broke as a kid or cracked. And it definitely did not feel well walking afterwards, but I'm sure uh, Jarmelson will have, a professional rehabbing him as opposed to me who just immediately jumped off the hospital bed and rolled my ankle. That I mean, was not a good idea. I mean, that's, that, that's why he's out for three months. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, well, I, I'm not sure exactly what the, I mean, it says three months, but like, you know, how much of that is the initial rehabilitation and how much of that is, you know, um, getting back to game time speed or, or, you know, you know, getting those reps back in on the ice. Yeah, I yeah. broke the second, third, and fourth metatarsals of my foot, which is the part of your foot that connects the toe to the rest of the foot. Um, when I was younger, and that took a month just to heal. Surprisingly, I've never broken a bone. Yeah, mm. well, I was sledding downhill and didn't see the tree and didn't turn and smacked right into it <laughs> i was riding a bike and didn't see the truck great i was crossing on a green the wrong way so it was really my fault but yeah yeah shockingly the tree didn't move <laughs> Can you imagine? they never do i know trees they have yeah. you know no courtesy whatsoever <laughs> but i I will say with Jarmelson being out, it it's very unfortunate, but it does give some of the younger guys a chance to step up and hopefully see what we can do. It gave uh, uh, the call-up to Kyle Cabobianco from Tucson, um, and the game seemed better than I thought it would. You know, obviously, I was actually, injury, but uh, I like Cabobianco. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see what he can do. I was just kind of surprised that he got the call – or he played a game before Labushkin. I thought Labushkin would get the first one. Yeah. Well, well, I, guess, I mean, I, I guess that they're just trying to see how how it all, like, you know, how, how things work out, maybe how these line pairings go. You know, again, these are all, like, working out kinks, seeing where things fit. If uh, uh, if Cabo Bianco doesn't fit on there, they'll put Labushkin, and uh, they'll, you know, maybe they'll send Cabo Bianco down. You know, that's kind of the benefit of having guys that are waiver eligible or not wave, not waiver eligible yet. So they'll just go put them up and down as they please, at least until trade deadline when when that becomes limited. But I've definitely seen 
a couple articles suggesting that the Coyotes may be looking for a defenseman to replace uh, Yarmulson, and I just don't see that unless both Lubushkin yeah. and Capobianco really stumble. No, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they're just plain wrong. Because, um, I mean, even Pierre Lebrun just came came right out and said that they're going to look internally first. We're too close yeah. to the cap for that. And Yarmulson is going to be coming back. So there's just no way. I'm sure there was also a lot of very optimistic fans being like, who can we get rid of our worst defenseman with a massive contract? Let's send him to Arizona. That'll be a good fit, right? And everyone else being like, no. 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 <laughs> no one wants Jack Johnson. <laughs> or Cody CC. <laughs> That Cody CC trade and everything going beyond that—that's still a, quite a joke going around in the hockey Twitter. Oh, yeah. We we don't want your bad defenseman. We don't want Brent Seabrook. We don't want Cody CC. We don't want Jack Johnson. <laughs> we don't want your salary dumps anymore. We're not that team. Yeah, no, that's no. Hang on, Seabrook is a former Blackhawk, and if the Coyotes like one thing, don't you even put that out there. (laughs) Uh, How many trades have they had with Chicago in the last couple years? Let's not count. (laughs) I mean, it's it feels like they've all worked out for both teams, though. Schmaltz, Yarmulson. I don't uh, think the Yarmulson one has worked out for both. Teams. Sure. It, it, that one's worked out for us. Uh, yeah. I don't think they've all gone in the Blackhawks evening out favor. <laughs> what was the Schmaltz trade again? What was the. Strom. For Strom. That, that's right. Strom and Fellini. Yeah. That's right. Strom is doing pretty well for himself, at least kind of. Yeah, as long yeah. as he's, he's with, you know, he's getting, or he, he's getting his minutes and. In Chicago. Yeah. Um, all last season, people were saying that we lost the Strom trade, and I'm really anxious to see Nick Schmaltz with a full season and see if that gets reevaluated. Oh, I'm sure it will. You just have to, again, you, like, sample size was too small last season to really put, say, oh, this, this was a one trade. Um, I mean, it takes a couple seasons. It really does. Because... You know, a player can develop into one thing, and again, the same goes the other way. can go back the other way. Yeah. And, I mean, Schmaltz is currently leading the team in points, tied for the leading goals. That's good for us. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. And, you know, the henestrosa Osterly hosa contract, trade where we gave them Mackenzie and Whistle and what? Oh yeah, Marcus Kruger. I think that's better for us. Yeah. Especially since they don't look like they're necessarily going to be needing that cap space for the next couple or depends on if they want to do a full rebuild or not. I think that's going to depend a lot on how they finish this season and it's not looking great for them to start out. So what do you guys think of, uh, I mean, I think we touched on it a little bit, but um, of how Connor Garland's been doing. I know like he's kind of been a lot of talk 
like as a whole, maybe in the last couple of years? He's been doing great. You know, um, he's been getting to the front of the net, which is interesting for a little guy, and uh, scoring some goals. He's right now, he's our leading, one of our leading scorers. He's tied with Schmaltz. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something where, you know, I'm not saying that every single shift he has is the best, but there are definitely shifts where he is the hardest working player on the ice. Uh, I wish that was a consistent thing, and if it was, I could see him definitely getting a bigger role with the team. But for right now, he is playing, I think, to everyone's expectations. And it's great, considering he was a fifth-round pick. Uh, yeah, I would say because he's a fifth-round pick, he's actually playing above expectations. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, oh, what, yeah. that's what I love about late-round draft picks, because, you know, they – they come out of nowhere and they become, you know, something else. You know, some of my favorite players that I've, that I've seen in hockey have been, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. And, you know, Connor Garland is going to be, you know, can, can be one of those people. And it, it, what's weird, though, is, again, I, before that we started recording, is we had a t- I, I kind of was talking to, uh, I'm not sure if Carl was in here, but I was talking with Rose about this, was that he has those, you know, uh, there are those people, uh, you know, Coyotes and Roadrunners fan base who don't like him because of how, you know, he he has spirits of moments where he doesn't look great, um, just based off the skating on the ice. But he, man, can that guy score? He, he finds his way to score, and he's he's pretty good at it. I mean, at the end of the day, he's only twenty three, so I can definitely see him only getting better as the years go on. Um, I think the the moments where he is at his best can take up a lot of your mind because when he is at his best, he is on another level. I would just personally like to see him at that level more. Yeah, I I think he's what Tockett calls a sticky player. He's just so tenacious. He never wants to give up the puck. Um, And, you know, like a little... Pitbull. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be his new rap name, Lil Pitbull. <laughs> Lil Pitbull. <laughs> He's uh, always after it, always after it. I, mean, I, can, ima- I can imagine a little Pitbull named Connor Garland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely something where I'm curious to see what he does with the full season because he only had 52 games last year. I mean, or, yeah, he I'm got sorry, 47 games. He got called up in initially in like December. He spent some time up there, like like about a good 10 games. He got sent back down to Tucson for like five games and called got called right back up and then played the rest of the season with them. Yeah, I think he got sent back down because they were on the All Star break or something like that, or the bye week. I believe. I believe yeah. that was it, and I, or maybe it was before that because I think he got sent back down and then it was like it was like the whole Aiden Hill thing where like some people got sent back um got called back up because the AHL was in Christmas break oh right right, right. okay so because they have yeah. a longer Christmas break than uh than the NHL the NHL does yeah. and I think it was also the uh, some other deadline I th- forgot what it was the there's a deadline in mid-December. Uh, 
Was it at the end when they were pushing for a spot? Oh, it was the uh, not. It was not the deadline. It was the the roster freeze, the, the holiday roster freeze. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, that's God. why, because they wanted to make sure that there wasn't, um, you know, the reason. There's a reason why they had the holiday roster freeze. So it's not like, hey, we're gonna send you up and down during the holidays. That means you have to move, you know, from this place to the next when you're supposed to be having spending time with your family in x city yeah which is actually one thing the league i think gets right oh yeah no i I love the roster consider their players lives yeah and it's definitely a lot easier now where it's hey go down to tucson versus hey go to portland maine uh for a while or like or or springfield massachusetts or even for something (laughs) like uh like let's say the vancouver minor team it's like hey we're gonna send you back down to utica like yeah. you have to go all the way, two thousand, three thousand miles across the country. <laughs> That'd be brutal. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but the the way that the AHL is expanding is definitely great for the NHL because it's giving those teams like a closer farm team to actually you know send their players to and not be afraid of being like. What if we need to do a recall and the guy's on the plane across the country and can't get it in time? I mean, yeah. that also makes me a little disappointed of why uh, Seattle's minor league team is in Palm Springs rather than, you know, say, Portland or something like that. But, you know, just splitting hairs here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that also makes the travel easier for the AHL team because they've got so many other teams around them. There's like, like six teams in SoCal total or something like that. Yeah, like, six teams in California. There's the Rain, the Gulls, the Barracuda, the um, Condors, the Bakersfield Condors, and the Stockton Heat are all right there in California. And then there's Tucson, which is, you know, just a highway away. Yep. <laughs> Plus, if you get a Portland team, it has to be the Portland Hipsters, and no <laughs> league is going to approve that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how, uh, if if maybe there was the, the, the major junior team from the WHL kind of didn't want that because they didn't want to have to compete for audience. You mean, you mean the Portland Winterhawks? Yeah. I mean, it feels like Portland's got a pretty big population base. I don't know how much of a competition it'd I mean, be. Also, I, well, I, I guess okay. to be fair, because uh, Seattle, I know, has like three major junior teams or whatever. They have Seattle. Uh, they have Seattle Florida. Thunderbirds, the Everett Silvertips, and or, the yeah, Everett Silvertips, and I can't remember the Tri City Americans. Must be Portland. Um, Tri City Americans further away. A little further away from the close. Seattle area, but close. Huh. Also, Spokane is also in Washington. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Hmm. I don't know, but it's then again, definitely but... one of those business calls that uh, they didn't consult us on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're again. I think uh, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of decisions to be made within the American Hockey League and where play, where things go. Against travel was one thing, and I think with it being in Palm Springs is one of the reasons might help increase specific division games from 68 to the you know AHL standard 76. But maybe that'd be nice. 
wouldn't have to break out a calculator when I have to calculate the standings and what Tucson needs to do. Oh, to get believe, in the playoffs. believe me, I was the one having to do that last year or in the last <laughs> two years. I'm just like, okay, so this team has to lose this amount of games, and then Tucson has to win this, but they have to win in regulation. And then I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's too much for fans to do. Uh, yeah, and super fans. Yes, everyone else is gonna be like, I don't know. So they're lucky they have you know a writer in Tucson like me who's willing to go through all that or just has the time to do it. Yeah. Speaking of they're... which, the Tucson Revenue start this week. Very nice. Yay! At home, you mean? Yeah, they start at home this week. Uh, in uh, on Friday and Saturday, they have already played three games in the road against uh who's they played they played uh san antonio ontario and i'm blanking on the third team for some reason because they played three different teams uh it was texas texas that's right uh which one was the game ronta played in uh the texas game okay yeah Yeah. it's the first Uh, one he shut them out yeah which got him his callback. Uh, so Ronts is with the team. Looks very impressive against Colorado. Speaking of, you know, Ronta, let's, uh, you know, the goaltending going on in the organization is really interesting given that, like, I talk about this all the time, how deep it is. Like, have you guys, like, thought, like, yeah. been, been a look at that? So, of course, you have Ronta and Kemper. And then in Tucson, you have Aiden Hill. And um, why am I blanking on his name right now? Ivan Prosvetov. Yeah, Ivan Prosvetov. And then you have uh, Merrick Madsen and Gannon. The... Eric Shogren. Eric Shogren. There we go. Eric Shogren in uh, where, where 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 is it now? I the East Rapid City. Rush. Rapid City. They have so, they they change it every year. Like I swear to yeah. God. <laughs> Well, you should be relieved because, yes, they did change back to the Rapid City Rush again uh, for their ECHL affiliate, but they actually signed a two-year agreement this time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was – I remember the – like, um, you know, as so, someone who's who follow, like who, who follows San Jose, I remember the Allen Americans were their ECHL team for like a good six years or something like that. So, like – I was used to, you know, somewhat of stability. And then I see her this going on like, Jesus, calm <laughs> down. It's actually it's, not that uncommon. Yeah. I know, are, but like, I got a, I got a little stable spoiled. Ones. Yeah. And everyone else is just like a shuffle, like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic for some of these. I mean, to it's be like, fair, I don't know. To be fair, the ECHL has had its fair share of relocations in the last few years, too. Yeah. Because like right. I think some of the former ECHL teams became AHL teams in the Pacific Division, so then they refounded teams back in those same cities as ECHL teams, and it's like what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I know when the Roadrunners relocated from I'm blanking Springfield, a Springfield fan posted on there that we stole their team and Jesus. how it was a shame that Springfield hockey is not going to exist for the first time in X amount of years. And then they immediately got another team, I think the ECHL team. And it was just like, do you still angry about stealing teams? Because, yeah. Yeah, they got, I think it's Florida's ECHL team. 
now? Uh, something like that. The, spring, the Springfield Falcons instead of Thunderbirds. Yeah. But, I mean, going back to your point, the Coyotes goaltending has definitely one of its strongest suits, which is great. Uh, I think there were some people who were questioning whether or not we would make a trade early on, either getting rid of Ranta and going solely with, like, Kemper and Hill, and most people were like, no. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Trust me, I logic <laughs> yeah with the injury history of this team don't, no don't take that I mean, having more is better i mean they've already it, uh you know uh tr- let go merrick um where is it, what, no, it was not merrick madsen he's still on the team um hunter miska they already let go hunter miska and uh, that one you know i kind of came came as no surprise because he was kind of I, I think he, i felt like he was the one that was eventually going to get pushed out by um, you know, the other incoming goaltenders coming from the juniors and overseas, but you know, and um, the NCAA also, the, from the NCAA. yeah, Merrick Madsen coming to the NCAA, and it's not like you get a great return for goaltenders either. So, I, I didn't when? really see it. Well, you can't for some, that's where the team is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we are doing really great towards the trade deadline and a team is desperate and dangling a superstar or just a really high offensive player, maybe I could see something, but why even mess with it at that point? You know who could really use a goaltender right now is New Jersey. (laughs) Oh, Oh, poor New Jersey. (laughs) Poor New Jersey. Who we get to play again, play soon, which is... Very great. Uh, as rough as the Coyote schedule has been to start out, it, it gets much easier in the next week. You know, I just had to look up who the goaltenders were because I totally forgot. Um, um, so is it Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Schneider? Mm-hmm. That's, oh yeah. my God, Corey Schneider is still playing in the NHL? My God. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for Schneider. He was caught up in that whole Luongo controversy in Vancouver, which just seemed toxic for everyone involved. Um, And then he finally got free to New Jersey, and then New Jersey did the New Jersey thing. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I'm still going to say it. Between injuries and the upcoming expansion draft, just hang on to the boys. Just hang on to them. And also, if you have two really good goaltenders that you could do a tandem with, why not do that? It seems like the league is moving that way anyways. Uh, Why not have the best tandem in the NHL? Yeah, Darcy Kemper currently sporting a save percentage of 9.55, and Auntie Ranta has a 9.06. Ah, pretty good. Yeah, Pretty that's good. only one game for Ronta, so I, I imagine that'll probably improve. But yeah. it's still not bad. And um, interestingly, right now, the worst goalie in the league is one we're familiar with. It's uh, Jonathan Quick. And oh. that's a surprise because, every, I mean, you know, Quick for several years, you know, in the early 2010s was one of the best goaltenders in the league and 
I think there was always kind of a question, though, if he was one of the best or if the L.A. system was one of the best. Well, I mean, now the answer is neither. I mean, you know, you know who Jonathan Quick's backup was for a while or at least for a couple years. Darcy Kemper. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they regret that trade. How many backups has he had? Like that, he had a lot that kind of ended up becoming starters or, you know, one Bs to a lot of teams. The Sharks have one of them and Martin Jones. I cannot believe we got Darcy Kemper for Tobias Reader, if I recall. Was that one to one? <laughs> uh, Which, look how that turned I mean, out. Yeah. Who they uh, didn't resign, by the no. way. And then went on to have just the absolute worst year in Edmonton. Oh, there was a. And get I called out by their by their owner. There was no, a. There was more to that or trade than Tobias Reader. It was. Yeah. Was it a pick? It was a goaltender. Oh, was Scott, it? Scott, Scott Wedgwood. I forgot. Yeah. Scott Wedgwood. Who they also didn't keep. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's now um, one of the many goalies in the Tampa system. Good for him getting into the Tampa system. Like, that's... Yeah. If you are going to be affiliated with a team, there's much worse teams to be affiliated with than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Man, it's just amazing how quickly things change around here. Yeah. Although it, it was remarked a lot that this is probably one of the more stable Coyotes teams in the past because there's not too many additions other than, of course, Phil Kessel and Carl Soderberg. Right. That's true. Most of most of these additions have just been people coming back from injury. Yeah. Which... Uh, do you guys want to talk about how they've been playing? I think they've both been really good. Um, still waiting for Kessel to get his first goal, but every single game I watch Carl Soderberg do something where I'm like, that is great. I am so glad that we got him. Yeah, and considering that we were giving up a seventh defenseman for him in Kevin Connaughton, who was pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> A seventh defenseman who was immediately sent down and then recalled, and I'm not sure if he's played a game yet. Uh, he has. In fact, he played the Arizona game. He did? He oh. did. I did not notice. That <laughs> may not be a good thing. Um, <laughs> or maybe a problem on my part. And it looks like as of eight hours ago, he was sent back down. Sorry, Kev. Yeah. Nice guy. Tries hard. Yeah, he did. Um, I never had too many issues with Kevin Connaughton's game when he was with the team. I never thought he was the best defenseman on the team, but yeah, hopefully he can find his game again. You know, or they can find somebody who needs a left-handed defenseman. That too, yeah. He, you know who needs a left-handed he, defenseman from what I hear? What's that? Montreal. Really? They've been scouting left-handed defensemen lately. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well, we don't have any to spare right now. <laughs> I was going to say, Montreal, not looking good, but they two, two, and two. So they're one overtime loss more than we are. So, but. Still early. Still very early. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, I usually make my first like true analysis of these teams about a quarter of the way through the season, and then, yeah, that's yeah. So I do groups of ten to analyze like some teams, and then uh, do like a whole standings analysis each quarter. I I seems reasonable so that you're yeah. not getting too high or too low on any one team. Exactly. I go into the season with the expectations for every team uh, almost every team sometimes they'll slip through and then about the third away i'm like huh was i wrong about that team did they just have a hot start are they in a slow patch and and see and then normally i'm proven wrong by the time the playoffs come by the way i'm, I'm bringing up some uh advanced stats uh for the some of the coyotes players courtesy of money puck and uh What's interesting is the stuff regarding Phil Kessel's looking pretty good for him in terms of his on-ice expected goals percentage. Which is good because he hasn't scored a goal yet. But he had a really great assist in that uh, Stefan goal. Yeah, that first game. And even so, that top line has been playing really well together. They They just haven't been able to buy a goal. <laughs> Which has you could say that for a lot of the games for the team, and it, it you, you you're gonna get that too. Like, um, it's all about really finding like whether or not that line is really the one that's gonna you know score all the goals. Obviously, you know you expect the top line to do that. Sometimes it's the second line, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's all about tinkering to find out exactly how you want it to really work and how you get a team to fire on, I guess, all its cylinders. Yeah. And while the top line has been a little bit slower in the offense, the second line, the what I would, the Schmaltz and Dvorak line, has been really good. Definitely picking up the slack for any lack of goals on that one. Yeah, and we saw it really well in the, in the Winnipeg game when it was Dvorak, Schmaltz, and Garland together. So I, I'm expecting that we'll see that in games to come as well, that same line. Which allows them to keep the Grabner-Richardson-Hinnestrosa line together, because that's always a fun line, too. Oh, yeah. That is going to be great, just seeing more of the speed of that line and just leaving opponents in the dust. So we just got to get that first line going. And then the third line, which um, last night was Kraus, Soderberg, um, yeah, Soderberg and Fisher. Right. I would really like to see Kraus and Fisher get going too. But I wonder if they're going to rotate out um, rookie Barrett Hayton with that line too, because he's been doing well for himself. Yeah. yeah, he had his debut in the Vegas game, so our first win, where he got to wear the coyote hat. <laughs> I I said it on Twitter, I kind of missed the belt. I thought the belt was really cool. 
that hat's kind of ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's more coyote, but uh, I like belt. The belt was cool too, but I yeah. guess I don't know who started the whole belt tradition. I don't remember. Maybe it was I, Yandel. I, I think it was any, Yandel. Okay, I don't know if any of the guys are actually into wrestling mm-hmm. enough to warrant the belt being the best player trophy. Very true. And other teams have gotten their own belt, so it's not as as special as it was. Yeah. But I mean. If you're going to have something, that, you know, why not have it be a coyote head? Now that there's the, um, I forget which credit card it is, but like the, the woman in the bear suit. It's kind of <laughs> like that. That'd be fun. I don't know. I don't normally watch like regular TV. So like commercials are very strange for me now that hockey season has started. It's <laughs> It's also really great if you're watching games and on Twitter to realize that you're not watching something live. It's got like the delay and you never think about there being a delay there. Yep. It was nice to see Devo get two goals and he got to wear the coyote hat as well. And he's been great in the faceoff circle this season. I was trying to pull up his numbers, but. Oh, here, I think I've got him. Off percentage. Courtesy of Natural Stat Trick, he has taken 43 face offs and has won 72% of them. Yeah, that is great, especially since the question from last season was who is going to win face offs this year? Because you have Richardson, you have Stefan, but kind of drops off after that. And it's great that he's stepped up and he's playing that role. Yeah, and that just goes to show you how badly he was missed last season. Because in his rookie year, he broke Martin Hansel's record for the rookie with the most face-off wins. Go him. And considering he had a, looks like a 46.8% face-off win percentage, that's probably not a great thing. Yeah, and it was just funny that he actually broke that record yeah. while facing off against Martin Hansel when he was on the wild. <laughs> oh, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, if if you go back enough in the Coyotes draft history, there is absolutely no way we'd be talking about a player that was even drafted in the second round, like a Christian Dvorak, and having him having this level of impact. I remember we couldn't get our first round picks right for the longest time. It is so good that just up and down the draft, it's finally clicking in a way. Uh, great that our scouting department exists now. <laughs> it's not just one guy in Europe. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, all of our listeners should stay tuned to this season as I try some of the weird food in Gila River Arena. Should we make that a a segment on the podcast or should should we just, you know, have like a a written piece for that? That, That'll be a segment on the podcast. I'm not sure I could justify having (laughs) that be a five for howling piece. Uh, That's what I love about this podcast. You can really talk about really anything. That's what I love about podcasts. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a Coyotes fan, I'm sure you saw the the food announcements uh, and how they... We're very interesting food announcements. Let's put it at that. And yeah, I, most people are probably not going to be trying this stuff. I will try some of the stuff. By the way, um, something we were talking about on the uh, the hidden episode or, or whatever you called it the first time around, Carl. Lost. The lost, the lost episode. episode. Um, I actually had uh, had some Pink Whitney. I actually found, finally found it. Oh, yeah. How'd you like it? It's not bad. You know, it's not great because it's New Amsterdam, and New Amsterdam isn't great vodka, but you know what? It's not I, I, I You know, I, I can understand that it's, you know, $11 bottle. <laughs> it's a very diplomatic way to put it. Now they just... They need to make a gin drink because I will do a gin and tonic every night of the week. Uh, um, well, should we go over the new food options? <laughs> should we? Yeah, why not? Okay. Since it's on the last episode that nobody heard. Actually, I think that was the post-podcast wrap-up of the last episode. But let's go through some of them, and we'll get some of your guys' thoughts. Because, yeah. Do you have them pulled up already? or I do. Okay. So we've got the giant pretzel, which is a Bavarian-style giant pretzel served with beer cheese fondue. And that's at the Brat House in 109. If and you're comes, looking around, it's, oh, oh, no, you were going to talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, they're limited. Um, so you have to get there early to get yours. But they are massive. When they say giant, they aren't kidding because they come in a box the size of a large pizza box. And it takes up the whole box. And I, I will say, it, when you're at Gila River Arena, Wetzel's Pretzels is definitely the biggest line there so really i'm curious to see how this is going to go with that yeah i'd say it's wetzel's pretzels possibly dunkin donuts yeah um wetzel wetzel's pretzels like there's three different wetzel stands and all of them when they're open have a line yeah a massive line (laughs) next up is the aforementioned barbecue sundae Pork on a fork, smoked brisket served over a bed of mashed potatoes and topped with barbecue sauce and crispy onions. I cannot. I can have that. <laughs> See, I, I, love, I would. I love mashed potatoes. I, I I like me some mashed potatoes. I like me some brisket. I, I don't know why that's at a hockey game. If I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest, that sounds like it, it sounds like a baseball game, maybe kind of thing. 
like or like a restaurant like a place where i go and like sit down and eat as opposed to go back I mean, to a seat you see the thing is when but it you're com- sitting down the whole game when it comes to these <laughs> when it comes to these games just weird things are becoming more of a thing because well like why go to a restaurant when you can have something very strange inside the stadium while you're watching the game yeah, but why pay stadium food pricing for something very strange? Because you want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got no problem with that. And apparently, um, at the arena is the only place you can get the barbecue sundae from pork on a fork. Which, surprisingly, is in sections 122 and 214. So I really feel like they think that this is going to be a big thing if they're having it in multiple sections. <laughs> And then there's the Tockets Tachos, named after Coach Rick Tockett. It's crispy tater tots loaded with cheese sauce, refried beans, pico de gallo, and sour cream. And that's at section 212. That's a little much for me. I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah, I know. Because like, if it were just nachos, the chips wouldn't be as filling. But with tater tots, those are going to be filling. Yeah, because we're talking pota- you know, potatoes. Like, right. It's starch. It's going to fill you up. This is just going to call it now. Not going to be one of the things I try. I, I'm not really a big refried beans or pico de gallo fan. I'm not even a big tater tots fan, if I'm being perfectly honest, which has gotten people yelling at me about Sonic. Oh, before. see, no, I like, yeah, I, I love tots. Like, if I if I had to choose between tots and fries, I'm going to go tots most of the time, unless the I know the fries are better at that certain well, place. But Rob, you'll just have to do the the review on that one well I, yeah. I well i can't because uh the well, if you ever get to a coyotes game well maybe. not about that it's it, it's more about my uh my stomach i don't think it, it would take it to <laughs> lightly i mean you don't have to eat it all that's oh, not no it's not that <laughs> i'm uh i'm a bit lactose so it's not it, it would uh, yeah uh, all right you're one of those poor unfortunate souls i know it's an it, it does suck but Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> then next up is um, the chicken and donuts. <laughs> Crispy chicken covered in onion marmalade and maple bacon on a glazed donut bun from Dunkin' Donuts. And that's located at section 103. And that's going to be the first thing I try at the next game I actually make it to. I mean, if, if, if chicken and waffles is popular, why not chicken and donuts? Yeah, it's, it's a thing. basically a Luther burger only with chicken. Um, and I hear Luther burgers are actually very terrible. So I'm curious <laughs> to see what this is like. <laughs> if you don't know what the Luther burger is, watch the Boondocks episode. It is, you know, it looks so good and, and I cannot imagine I, it tastes good at all. I might have to try it just to say I tried it because again, like, <laughs> If it's like you know, again, it's probably very different than chicken and waffles, but I like chicken and waffles. I like that kind of idea of you know, some kind of that bit of I don't know. Like yeah, and if you like chicken and waffles, I can get it that you might want something sweet with your chicken, but it's the onion marmalade. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I can't get my head around. But yeah, you know, know, again, I can't even picture or imagine what an onion marmalade on its own tastes like. Yeah, I don't know. I I imagine it's kind of like a a sweeter onion. Uh, I'm not a big onion fan, so I'm curious how that's going to affect it. But 
don't know. Let's try it. Why not? Then there's the cactus dog. Vienna beef hot dog topped with roasted corn and cactus relish, avocado crema, crispy jalapenos, and that's at section 114. That doesn't sound that bad. I mean, the most crazy I'll go with a hot dog is, if anyone's familiar with short leash in Phoenix, I will get a hot dog with ketchup, Swiss cheese, and bacon. And it's so good. But, yeah, no. Does he roasted have corn a, have a snoring dog, by the way? I'm sorry? Does Healer River have a snoring dog, by the way? I know some places in Phoenix do. Probably I not. I think so. Maybe. Someone find that out for me, because if they do, I'm definitely okay. going to have some. Well, yeah. the next game I go to, um, what about you, Carl? Are you going anytime soon? Mm, maybe, maybe this weekend. I'm not sure. I... Yeah, I'm going to be in Vegas this weekend, so I can't go. Let me... Let me check my finances. Maybe Ottawa. That'd be a good one. So, and for people who might not be familiar with what a Sonoran hot dog is, it is uh, a hot dog that is wrapped in bacon and grilled, served on a bolillo-style hot dog bun Mm -hmm. and topped with pinto beans, onions, tomatoes, and a variety of additional condiments, often including mayonnaise, mustard, and jalapeno salsa. Yep. I would say that's one of the better buns you can get for a hot dog. A bully, of, of course. Yeah. Especially if it's soft. It's got to be nice and yeah. soft. Yeah. I, I like a, the bully roll for sandwiches, and I think after two days, it starts to harden. You're just like, Ugh. And then, do you want to go with the last one, which is the most normal thing on there? The Twisted Churro Loop. A twist on the classic served with Mexican chocolate dipping sauce, and that's at 202 and 217. I'm kind of ticked that's not on the lower levels, because that I would actually try. Some of some of the um, oh, so, like some of the churro options are the absolute best. If you can get a good churro anywhere, like they're fantastic. Uh, last churro I had was the churro dog at the Diamondbacks game, and it was extremely disappointing. Really? Oh, that's sad. Aww. That's a shame. Yeah. I mean, it's a cold donut with ice cream and churro in there, and yeah, not a good combination. Yeah. I think this is something that I talked about. Obviously, this is not a churro, but um, it's it, for, I, the cinnamon taste reminded me of the one thing that you everyone loves, the Roadrunners games, and you guys know what I'm talking about. There are donuts. <laughs> yes, yeah. small that small little donut stand. The cinnamon donuts at the donut stand where they make them right there in front of you. You watch it, yeah. For some people who don't know, at Road and Risk Games, there's a small stand of people who make donuts, and they make the batter, and then that goes along this cart inside a deep fryer, and then it automatically flips over, and and finishes off frying and goes into its basket. Like it's amazing. <laughs> And then you can get them plain or with cinnamon sugar. Um, or even, yeah, it's it's amazing. I think that there's a chocolate option, but I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me. But I always say, get the cinnamon sugar yeah, option. Yeah, always get cinnamon sugar best. option. And again, they're a, real, they're a good price for, you know. State. Oh, five bucks for a bag and cash only. Yeah. I mean, Roadrunners games have good prices for pretty much everything. Uh I was very impressed with the price of the beer there and the fact that it was Barrio because they make great beer. Barrio beer is amazing. Yeah. Yep. 
Best well, part too, Sam. The coyotes do have new um, adult beverage options too. The, Let's... I'll be happy to try these if you want. <laughs> none of that food sounded interesting to me, but <laughs> Pink Whitney, of course, is one of them because you know one of their media guys happens to be a co-host of the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Yeah, and apparently now New Amsterdam is a sponsor, so that's how that happened. That does not surprise me. <laughs> so yeah, the Pink Whitney is New Amsterdam vodka and pink lemonade, and it's available throughout the arena. I actually tried it at the home opener against Boston, and it was good. Um, I did think it was a little light for the price. You know, mm. I'd like more of a... And that's why you get the bottle yeah uh, i got <laughs> i got it for 10.99 just... at total wine and beer <laughs> I, personally i prefer my drinks a little bit stronger than that <laughs> yeah personally i prefer my drinks to not be vodka um and to be whiskey whiskey is a good option the next one is the lamp lighter which is also a vodka it's new amsterdam raspberry vodka with triple sec grenadine lemon lime soda and a splash of club soda that doesn't sound terrible. Uh, it doesn't sound like something I would order, I'll though. I'll probably try that at the next yeah. game I go to. Yeah, if I was at a bar, I would definitely not get anything that complicated. Um, but... Any kind of margarita, though, I'm down for. <laughs> well, then we go to the Howlerita. Ooh. Milagro tequila, lime oh, juice, yes. and agave served in a souvenir cup. Milago tequila now, that is some good tequila. <laughs> I, I will mean, say this. It's not the best tequila, if, but it's good. If you're drinking liquor out of a plastic cup, you do feel a bit of shame at a certain point. I think Jim Jeff, Jim Gaffigan had that joke, but I've done it before, and you're like, why am I this? Hey, why am I drinking? Something that was really cool. I went to a happy hour uh, for a U of A-sponsored event, and they gave me a like uh, when I ordered a one, one of their happy hour beers, they they served it to me in a souvenir aluminum uh, Coors Light cup, and nice. it was t- you know souvenir, so you could take it home. So it's aluminum, so it, you know it's gonna keep my drink cold. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another uh, tequila drink. It's the El Coyote. Sorry, El Coyote. Milagro tequila, lime juice, agave, and a splash of Ancho Reyes chili liqueur. Oh, so it's See, gonna be a, so it's gonna be like a like a, a spicy, um, mm-hmm. a, a spicy margarita. I like that because uh, sometimes I get like the I forgot what it's called, but it's like a it's it's like a jalapeno infused tequila, and I have that, and it's you know it's it's not bad. And you put some chili li- and it, when you have chili, chili lime salt on the rim, that's good. Mm-hmm. You're just checking a lot of notes for me. I, I'm not going to be doing anything with chili. I've had chili beer before, and it was not for me. Chili powder, not for me. Oh, but when you mix it with, you know, something like tequila, though, there's like again chili and lime juice. Tequila and agave is sweet, so yeah. So you mix the sweet and spicy. It really works, especially, you know, again, chili lime salt, aka tahin, really good, really solid with margaritas. I love it. But for more for your taste, Carl, they do also have the new Kachina Throwback Ale. Which I haven't tried yet. I want to. I hope it's good. I know Santan had a Yotes Pale Ale a couple of years back, which the first year 
was not good. The second year was really good, and I got a free shirt from drinking a lot of it. So I think it really depends on when it comes to beer. It's like the kind of beer that it is. Like you got, so you, the Yotes Pale Ale was, I believe, an India Pale Ale, and the, is it India Pale Ale or a regular Pale Ale? Because that's. I, Mm, I'm not sure. I think it was a regular because it was red, and you don't see too many red IPAs That's... except for Dawn of the Red, which is a really good red IPA. Okay, I stand corrected. I'm not a beer person. I don't. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite is the uh, the Roadrunner's Red Ale from Dillinger. Oh, okay. You'll you will be able to get at a Roadrunner's game if you guys come down. I did look up the Kachina throwback ale. It's a Pilsner. The Pilsner. Ah, Pilsners are okay. Which, I mean, it's weird to call a Pilsner an ale. True, you're right. Let's call it a Pilsner, but whatever. But then it doesn't sound as good, the Kachina throwback Pilsner. Yeah, that doesn't have a ring to it. I mean, if you want something with a ring, then maybe make a different Uh. beer type. So coming up first, um, Thursday night, we have the Nashville Predators. That's going to be a fun game. I have no idea who the Nashville Predators are this season. Um, They're coming off a 5-2 win against Vegas. And before that, a 7-4 loss against the Kings. How? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. That is... That is, no exaggeration, almost half of the goals that the Kings have scored this season. I mean, to be... 20 goals. I mean, to be fair, Tampa Bay lost to Ottawa in the last week, so... Sure. And I mean, uh, actually, remember, in that lost episode, I said that was going to happen. Just watch. <laughs> I said, I said, watch it happen. And we laughed about it. And I was like, oh, wait, it actually happened. I'm sorry. I don't remember that. And it's lost, so you can't prove it. Uh, no but nashville definitely can be a very dangerous team and should not be taken lightly by any means by any team in the nhl well yeah they're one of the they've they 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 are and one and have been one of the top teams in the western conference so they, they, they should be taken with uh some seriousness to it yeah and now they've got you know a legit top line center in Matt Duchesne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that will definitely be an interesting game. It also happens to be uh, Noches de, de los Yotes. Yeah. I, I, right. I know it's definitely closer than what I would have said. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually really disappointed that I'm going to miss that game. The giveaway looked really cool. I would have liked to have attended. Uh, unfortunately, I have a day job that gets me off at 6 p.m., so definitely cannot make weekday games. Wow. I'm looking at some of Nashville, or at least Nashville's expected goal stats, and they're scoring more goals than, they're, than they've been expected to. So what like, you're saying is they're going to regress to the mean against the Coyotes and score none. I like this. Yeah, their expected goals per game, 1.85, and they have 3.67 goals for per game. I mean, the Coyotes have definitely been stingy so far, so I can see them, you know. Maybe they'll sure. maybe they'll have a game like they had against Vegas where they just, like, go off. And just shut them down at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Or you yeah, can say nice. the same thing about Winnipeg. 
especially for the very first time we're having a Hispanic Heritage Night. <laughs> I It seems like they like to do theme nights with Nashville because I remember a while back that was the Halloween game, which was not well attended. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it all depends. I think they mostly stick keep their promos to um, week weeknights rather than yeah. weekends so that they it's can an, try and draw yeah, crowds it, in. It's, yeah, it's, an ex- it's a way to bring in crowds on weekdays because, you know, that's, of course, the hardest day to bring them in because traffic, people work, and all those, you know, other excess like you, factors. Yeah. Exactly. And also just, like, you look at a lot of the teams – And there's a lot of transplants from Chicago and New York and Boston living in Arizona because snowbirds, Arizona is a better place to live than Chicago, Boston, and New York. Um, But you don't get too many people here from Nashville. Transplants and snowbirds are not the same thing. Just to clarify. Very true. Well, I would say we definitely get both of, yeah, I'm also a transplant. And so are you, Rob. You came from... Uh, I came from uh, California. Yeah, from the Bay yeah. Area. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's... I, of course, it's much cheaper down here, so... <laughs> Nobody is actually born in Arizona. If anyone tells you they are, they are lying to you. That is <laughs> Well, okay. I have a nephew who was born here. And nope. currently still lives here. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, back to the Nashville game, though. This has got, you know... What, what what I like about this game is, you know, the goaltenders for Nashville, of course, are solid goaltenders, too. So, got a solid Karina and Yusei Saros. They both are ridiculously good. You know, well, yeah. off, when they're on. Because they've had games when they're off and they look terrible. But when they're on, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That one's definitely, I think, going to be a low-scoring affair for both teams. Yeah, which I can watch it be a blowout. (laughs) It wouldn't, you know, with how the NHL season has been so far, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, again, seven four against Los Angeles. Exactly. The fact that Nashville scored four and LA scored seven—that is no, that's not how it's supposed to go. Although, Nashville definitely had more offense this season than we've known them in the past. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what their defense looks like without P.K. Subban now, too. Yeah. That will definitely be an interesting one. That is true. And with, and isn't this Dante Favreau's first year? I believe so. He doesn't even have a snapshot yet. <laughs> <laughs> Usually a good sign. When players don't have headshots yet, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yossi, Ellis, Ekholm, and Fabro. When I see players that are younger than me, it makes, like, you know, as someone who's, you know, as as the youngest guy of this podcast, it feels weird for me because it's like, well, there's a guy who's playing in the NHL and they're younger than me. Like, oh. Yeah. It's kind of like that for for me, except for when they're my age. It's like, hey, wow, there's someone who's still able to be in the NHL. They're my age. You know, guys, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they're all younger than me, except for Joe Thornton. And Patrick, and Patrick Marlowe. Marlo. And, and Chara, right? Yeah, Chara, too. That's it. Because everyone else is retired now, or at least they're... It's weird, because I'm like... I... 
I feel like this year I'm getting a lot more news of a X player retiring than I've seen in the past. It's just because it's players, you know. Yeah, I guess because players I grew up like again, players I've I, I grew up hearing about what? or watching. Then I hear them. This person retires. I'm like, wow, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, did you guys see the picture of uh, was it? Yager. Oh my uh, god, yeah. <laughs> Yammer Yager is a freaking beast. <laughs> and he's what what forty seven? Yeah. Yeah. So uh clearly the kings are gonna be scouting him. He's like he's the king of the Czechs, like unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you guys think a score against Nashville is gonna be? Low scoring game. Um, I'm gonna put the win for Arizona. Chalk it up as a win, three to two. I'm gonna say win for Arizona, but I'm gonna go two one. It's gonna be a goalie duel. Okay, I can I can understand that one. I think a three one, uh, because we haven't seen Arizona score three goals yet, or just three goals. I think this is going to be their first one. Okay. It's either two, four, one, or zero. So there needs to be three at one point, right? I mean, you you probably think so. (laughs) That's how that works, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) This is why I don't gamble, people. Okay. Next up is Ottawa on Saturday after that. Uh, Ottawa has been abysmal. <laughs> Other than they win against Tampa Bay, which I don't know how that happened. Um, maybe Tampa Bay was just kind of, you know, caught off guard because they thought it was going to be an easy win. I don't know. Um, but this Yeah, game... and they had just played the, the Maple Leafs too, so maybe they just took their foot off the gas. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Um, so they probably had their backup goaltender in, right? I'm, I think so. I don't know for sure. Who even, who even is back a goaltender in Tampa Bay? Is it? I believe it's Colonel Smackalini. No, would it? Hmm. Would they have played him in Toronto? I don't know. Um. Yeah, Curtis McElhaney is their backup. Um. I just don't. Yeah, know if he, played uh, he played. He played Ottawa. Okay. Ottawa is like a team still because Coyotes fans need a fan base to feel bad for. Because for all of the ownership drama that we have encountered, I feel like Ottawa is somehow way worse. Yes. I mean, they are the they are the lowest by far in um, the percentage of tickets sold to uh, capacity in their arena. Like I think they couldn't even sell out a Eastern Conference final game. Yeah, and I think I I, I think their uh their attendance percentage I, is like sixty percent this year, which is yeah, yeah. No matter how bad the Coyotes have been, the Coyotes no are questionable. The ownership has been or the arena deal, whatever. We still sold out all mm-hmm. of our playoff games. Yeah. yeah, I think the Coyotes currently are sitting at around like eighty. Around in the eighty percent, maybe even up to closer to ninety for their at least for the for these first couple of games at home that they've had so far. 
And hopefully that will continue to grow if they play good this season. And you would you would think so. Okay. And again, of course, you know those those weekday games, you are going to see a a lapse in attendance, but that happens with every NHL team, almost every NHL team, unless you're like you know some super fan in Toronto and they sell out every single game for some reason. Yeah. Okay. I should qualify that. I don't know that we actually sold out all of our playoff games, but I do know we sold out the Western Conference Finals. So you would think, you would sure hope so. Yeah, I mean Arizona, LA that that should have been sold out. Also, there was two. Um, yeah. Because LA was dominant that season yeah. in the playoffs only, uh, and not great during the rest of the season. It was weird. LA's first cup run, I, was, I remember thinking, huh, this is weird. And then they played New Jersey. I was like, New Jersey's in there? What? <laughs> um, what but, yeah. yeah. Going back to Ottawa, they, they have not been good this season, uh, as to be expected. Um, but, you know, like Rob said, you sometimes get a night where everyone's clicking for some reason. I mean,. Like, the thing about Ottawa for me is I'm not a big fan of much people on their team, um, much of the players. Uh, let's see. I like Brady Kachuk, and I like Thomas Shabbat, mainly because they're on my fantasy team. But, <laughs> I mean, other than that, let's see. They got Mikhail Bodker, Chris Tierney. Uh, let's see. Anthony Duclair. Anthony, I got Anthony Declare. Isn't he? He's he's okay, but he's also you know uh, inconsistent. Inconsistent, yeah. and he can be a bit of a nutcase. Oh, he he did play in Tucson. What do you want to tell us about that, Rob? It's more of you know his uh, off ice antics. He doesn't kind of he he likes to go like he he complains a lot. Uh, uh, put it yeah. into that. I mean, I if you're talking about. If you're talking about Ottawa and off ice, you gotta talk about that Uber video from last oh, year. Oh, we yeah, that's another, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> it, it was strange to see players talk good things about the Coyotes, and I think of the power play too. And I was like, wow, if you are saying good things about the Arizona Coyotes power play, there's something wrong with yours. <laughs> Wait, when did Vladimir Nemestikov join Ottawa? He got traded there from New York. Was that that was was that a couple weeks ago? That was yeah, that was real, relatively recent. Okay, because I, oh yeah, you're right. Now that I remember the trade going through, and I was like, wait, what? And that's weird because uh, Nemestikov was part of that top line with uh, Stamkos and Kucherov, and they were freaking unstoppable when they were together. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, he didn't exactly do too well in New York. Uh, yeah, New York True. got. A defenseman, 25-year-old defenseman, Nick Ebert, and a 2021 fourth-round pick for him. Not, not great. No, not at all. Didn't they give up a first to get him? No, that was somebody else. They also have Ron Hainsey on defense. Ottawa does. Yep. Nikita. They have a whole bunch of ex-leafs on defense. Nikita Zaystev. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Boryaki. He was the uh, – what I still find funny from Mark Boriecki was that uh, that Twitter video from last year. 
Ah, uh, yes, the PR video that he did with the owner. With Eugene Mellon, like, is, I felt I, I felt like you know when that when that vi- Twitter video started, I was like, Boryeki, blink twice if you're being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also have former Coyote Jordan Schwartz. He did I don't remember. <laughs> uh, he had 26 games as a member of the Phoenix Coyotes, uh, nine games with the Arizona Coyotes, 2014 to 2015, and you got to make baseball references about his name. So it's really all you could ask for. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, as a prediction for this game, it should be easy for Arizona. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go against the grain and think they're going to take it too easy and Ottawa might actually pull out a win. Okay. I'm thinking Arizona still gets the win, uh, but Duclair gets a hat trick or oh, Bodker gets a hat trick. Like, one of them is just like, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to show them that they gave up of me too quickly and does something great. They both went to teams that aren't even the Senators from the Coyotes. I mean, they've been on multiple teams since Yeah, they've, then. they've had a fair share of uh, moving around. I'm not saying they're, they would be right to think that. I'm just saying that's the mentality you go into your former team plan. Yeah, but for Duclair, that's like half the league. <laughs> uh, I, I will say when he announced that he wanted to be under John Tortorella. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to end well for anyone. And Duclair, it did not. Duclair and Torts did not work well together. Tell <laughs> <are> me shocked. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I, I, I still think it'll be a, a pretty easy, relatively easy game for, for Arizona. I hope so. I just... And uh... I'm, I will say... Because it's always the easy ones that we screw up. Yeah, we do tend to play down against our opponents. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I won't. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's a blowout game because I think, you know, they they will it will kind of be of a way where you know Ottawa will come out you know, running and then Arizona will be like, oh wait, let's actually play a hockey game here. Um, <laughs> let's see. If I were to make a score prediction on this one. 4-2, Arizona. So, that's me. Carl, you go. I, I said the 5-3 the with a hat trick from a former Coyote. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't hear the score. Um, yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be something stupid and annoying, like 3-1 Senators. Uh, that would be... <laughs> If we didn't have good games against Vegas and Winnipeg already and take Colorado to overtime, a 3-1 loss to the Senators would break the fan base. Probably. It still might. <laughs> yes, there's a very good chance. Especially since it's a weekend game, a too. Good game for it not to just break everyone. Maybe I'm just trying to go with a reverse jinx here. <laughs> hey, reverse jinx tends to work. So, <laughs> ah. and then uh, then next Tuesday in one of those awesome 4 p.m. Carl doesn't get to watch any of the game. New York Rangers. 
Yeah. Why do they have to schedule East Coast games when we're in that time period where we're on the Pacific time zone? You know, like, four, four o'clock doesn't make sense, though. Like, Yeah, it does. I guess yeah, it cause does. Because it's, it's 7 p.m. Eastern time, at least for now. But yeah. still, I would like a lot of t- I see a lot of ones start at five for Eastern Con- Eastern Conference games. Like, mm. uh, not until November. But no, I mean even in general, because like yeah, again, being from California, I would see some games start at five. Really? Not all the time. Not all the time, but a couple games. Well, I mean maybe. That's related to TV broadcast because yeah, East there Coast is teams anymore. Eight PM Florida Nashville game. Yeah, that's not, but that's in Nashville, I think. And Nashville that's, is East PM time yeah, zone, I so I guess. But yeah. I mean the Rangers despite some big acquisitions this year, have not started off well. Right. Granted, they've only had three games somehow. That does not seem right. Uh, 2-1-0. So, not yeah, the worst. It's, it's, it's weird with the, with the NHL games because some games have only played like a fair of three games, but some have played like seven already. The... A couple have played eight. Toronto, Washington, Winnipeg have all played eight. Oh, Dallas? Well, most of these teams didn't have like an entire week off like the Coyotes did. Sure. Very true. I I don't understand why the Rangers haven't been playing (laughs) at all. Uh, Did they do a Europe game? No. Uh, I have no clue. That was um, the Flyers and... They had a couple Europe games, I think. Not, not this season? One or two. Maybe two. I know they had the Flyers and... Was it Chicago? I believe it was Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Like, they played Euro teams in the preseason and then opened their regular season against each other. I mean, one of their first games was against Ottawa, so there's absolutely no way they were like, let's send Ottawa to Europe to show them what hockey's like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Gene isn't shelling out the dough for that trip either. No. So it could be that New York is just a secretly really good team. um, I just don't know because they haven't played. I don't understand. (laughs) We're not sure. Um... Uh, like I said, they've made a lot of acquisitions, which we talked about in the season preview of Behind the Glass. So, I don't know. I could see New York being a really good team this year. Or a good team. I don't want to say really good. I think maybe can compete in the Metropolitan, because the Metropolitan is kind of a head-scratcher for me still. Yeah. I mean, I do like Carolina. Yeah, to, to be honest, Carolina is probably one of the teams from the Eastern Conference teams that I actually like. They're, They're big, a fun team. They are fun. Those bunch of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, the Rangers. Let's. Uh, 
I don't know. They've played three games so far. Um, they're going to be playing, I think, three games before they play us again. Before they play us, so I think we'll have a much better idea game day on who the New York Rangers are this season. Yeah, I can't. I don't want to put a prediction in here, but because you know we can, and because we're weird, we will. I will. Well, uh, because presumably our next pod will be out and the game will be over with. Exactly. <laughs> so we kind of have to put it in there. Um, you know, I can't have – I don't think yeah. – all right, let's put it uh, – like, yeah. Arizona can only go on a, like, crazy win streaks. I don't know if they're capable of that yet. Um, I think they're going to lose that game. I think they're going to win that game. So I'm going to say the outcomes of the three games that New York has played. They beat the Winnipeg Jets Mm 6-4, which Winnipeg, one of the more hard-to-place-down teams to start the season. They beat the Ottawa Senators 4-1, as expected. And they lost to the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. And the Edmonton Oilers have been pretty good. So, yeah, and I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Again, um, we were talking about that. They they remind me of the Vancouver Canucks of last year, who, you know, eventually kind of fell somewhat back down to reality and became a mediocre team. Um, yeah. So, it seems like they're... I think they're going to come in with some momentum, uh, and I think we're going to lose this one to the Rangers. I think we're going to win in overtime to the Rangers. I do think it's going to be a close game, but um, I know overtime, actually, an overtime loss, I can see. If there's any poetic justice this time, it'll be Gravner who gets the OT goal instead of Stepan. I can see that. Yeah. And only because Auntie Ranta doesn't, you know, generally score. (laughs) (laughs) I do think he's going to get the start that game. I I would think so. I think we're going to see more starts from Ranta uh, since he's only gotten the one so far. And I think the team's going to shift to a more 50-50 workload. Give a – have have a tandem going, which is fun. Those are good. And, I mean, Kemper's hot right now, but you don't want to wear him out too much. True. That would be pulling a Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yep. (laughs) Anyways, um, I think that's it for predictions. Um, I think, let's see, we are running long on this episode. It might be good to kind of give some final thoughts or close things off. So what do you guys think? Final thoughts, close off? Well, I'm happy that we are a 500 hockey team to start the season. There we go. (laughs) Bounded back from our 0-2 record. Um, fans need to take a breath it'll be okay <laughs> yep yeah. I said in the last episode that I was just glad that we scored in our first game that was the only expectation I had and I thought that we played really well to start off and we've continued to play well and are getting offense Right. I want that offense to be more consistent and more throughout the game but I like where we're at right now. I, I feel very positive things about this team. It's 
it's like in a, in a level like you can you can feel comfortable with how this lineup has been set so yeah and especially going into it there was a lot of questions about the contracts that were handed out to Dvorak and Schmaltz and honestly they've been some of the best players we've had yeah so yeah i think yeah what i was like like i was saying like i this is this is a team to feel somewhat comfortable with you can be pretty happy with them and they're gonna be, yeah like like what you said uh carl that i wouldn't worry too much for uh for a coyotes fan that's they're gonna do pretty well this year for themselves and i think uh it's it's only looking up and they will have a fun fight in this very interesting pacific division Anyways, we're going to close things off because this is a long episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Desert Dogcast. As a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Desert Dogcast. I believe you can also send us an email at DesertDogcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Or you can message or you can tweet at us or message us, really any of us, any of the hosts, and we'll be able to uh, you know, answer your questions on our next episode or really anything. Once again, uh, my per- Twitter handle is at RobLiano1. I'm at RoseColoredFact. I'm at CarlPavlockFFH. So and you-, you can leave comments on the Fiverr Howling post where you found this uh, podcast, too. Yeah, you'll be able to do that, too, and pretty much anywhere. Also, as a reminder... Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or I believe really anywhere you can find a podcast. Maybe not yet. Uh, if we're on Google or iTunes yet, I got to check on those statuses. But if we are there, you can be sure to, you know, subscribe there. You can rate us. You can review us, you know, to make it so we look better on those, uh, uh, on those charts and make it easier for other people to find. So it's, the internet in 2019. If you found us now, you can find us again. <laughs> Absolutely. So, again, please subscribe if you would like our content. Because if you do, you get notified whenever a new episode does get dropped. And that's not just a new episode of Desert Dogcast, but also a new episode of Inside the Glass. Because, you know, we have both of them kind of going through the same stream. And we'll, you'll be able to know when either of them come in. And, you know, if you're a fan of both... If you're a fan of one, it doesn't really matter. You get you get to find out when both come out. Once again, thanks everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Bye see everybody. You.